Welcome to the Childhood Cancer Hall of Champions podcast. Our mission is different. We're not about numbers, cures, donations, or research initiatives. We want to dedicate our platform, childhoodcancerhall.com, and this podcast to children age 0 to 21 and their families who are affected by childhood cancer. We want to share their stories, celebrate their lives, and create a community and support network that's forever free for these families. Whether you're a child, sibling, family member, friend, or someone who wants to learn more about the subject, you are welcome here. It's a safe place where we can lift each other up, educate the public, find new language, and let the stories live on. Let the families not be defined by cancer. These are their stories, legacies, and living memorials. much, Candace. I know you're in South Africa. There's a really big time difference, but I'm so grateful. I truly am grateful and honored uh, to be chatting with you and sharing this moment with you. And I would love to welcome you to share the story of Owen and the story that you shared with us right here um, at Childhood Cancer Hall of Champions. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Owen started showing strange sort of signs in uh, about January, between January and February this year. Um, he woke up one morning and his right eye had started squinting. So we didn't immediately think that it was anything too severe. We thought maybe he had a lazy eye. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Long story short, we landed up taking him to several doctors. Um, and then we were hit by COVID. So we were kind of stuck. We weren't really allowed to leave the house. We were in full lockdown in this country. Um mm-hmm. Then what happened was, uh, as soon as we hit level four, they moved us down to level four. We ended up taking Owen to a um, holistic, uh, no, or sort of a, a herbalized doctor, who then suggested we take him immediately for an MRI scan, which we had previously done or tried to do, but Owen wasn't reacting well to the medication. Um, after that, we got him an MRI scan and we got transferred to the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital where one of the uh, head uh, pediatric neurosurgeons then approached us and told us what the situation was. Um, he had been diagnosed with DRPG. Um, at this point, they sent us home and said there's nothing more they can do. Um, there is sort of no treatment other than radiation that they could offer us. Um, from there on, it was, it was quite hectic. We had to return to the hospital 11 times before they actually took him and started the radiation. They had to remold his, his mask twice on two separate occasions to a point where there was such an argument between the radiation department and the oncology department because they were not communicating. And the, the time delay that it took between the two of them, Owen's, um, obviously his, Owen's um, situation had actually worsened and he had to remold because of the cortisone. So they started fighting with us about that. It's, it's a long story. Um, from there on... We were supposed to get 30 radiation sessions. They only gave Owen five. And when asked why, they just said, well, that's pretty much what we can do. So obviously being parents, we did everything that we could. In lockdown, there is a trial drug um, that was being tested in the US called um, ONC-201, Onco-201. This was completely out of our financial reach. Um, We worked it out that it would cost us in excess of 36,000 rand per week to keep Owen on this medication. 
um, which was completely out of our reach. We were lucky enough to get a donor or a sponsor who, who sponsored Owen some of the medication. And somehow, by some sort of a fluke, we managed to get the medication into the country through customs uh, via Korea without any documentation. And he started on the medication. Whether or not it worked, I, I won't know because I don't know what he's... They didn't give us a life, life expectancy. And when we did ask, they didn't tell us either. Um, Owen was doing pretty well for a short while, about two months. And then, like, as I said, 16 days ago, we lost him very suddenly. It was sort of that Saturday we had had. He's, he's always been wanting this massive birthday party, which we did. And then the Monday he was gone. So it was very quick. Um, when it comes to sort of knowledge about the RPG, nothing, nothing. There's no uh, support groups in this country. There's no, no, no parents that really want to speak about it at this point. Um, we are trying to find another family in the country with the DRPG child so that we can donate what is left of the medication to that family, but it's just unheard of. It is so rare in South Africa that we, we just can't find another family. And bottom line is all the other sort of pediatric cancers, there's a lot more support and backup with regards to it, but with DRPG being the worst of the worst, as you we were told, and from what we saw, and the pain that Owen went through, it is the worst, and there's just nothing for us here. We fought so hard for our son. We did everything we could, but we still couldn't save him, and it's not acceptable. I read your story. I, I, you know, I just remember, I don't know, you know, I have not met Owen, and and it just makes me, and there's Owen, and also in our group, there are a number of children who, um, were diagnosed with DIPG and who are fighting it right now. And, and it's incredibly difficult. And I try to, by the way, I try to educate myself as much on the subject matter. And I think even though in the US, uh, I'm not there present, but I, I, I can hear the diagnose that I can, I can feel like I can see the look on the parents' faces where there is no cure. Um, so and then it's so hard. It must have been so hard for you um, in South Africa. She said that it was so hard. It was an understatement. It completely devastated us as a family. Um, it created such rifts. It's something that no parent should ever have to do. You know, in, in life, you, you kind of prepare yourself to, as you grow older, maybe lose a partner um, or lose sort of a mother or a father because time moves on. But Parents having to say goodbye to their child and having to watch them suffer the effects of radiation, specifically with the RPG, watching them lose the, the use of their limbs um, and their speech to a point where this, this DRPG is such, such an evil sort of cancer that it, up until the very few last days, children are completely aware of what is actually happening to them and their restrictions, and they do not understand why. When Owen left us, he was four years old. How do you try and explain this to a four-year-old? And he gets angry and frustrated with you because he cannot do what he's used to doing. And it comes to a point where you would give anything in this entire world to try and help your child, but there's nothing available. And it's just 
unacceptable, unacceptable. There are so many different treatment regimes for other forms of cancer, yet with regards to pediatric cancer, it's just an empty well with nothing, nothing. You have nothing to go back on. You just kind of get sent home and everybody just expects you to be happy and deal with it while you've got time. That is, excuse my language, a bullshit mark. It's unnecessary and I can't, I cannot let it go and I will not let it go because I can't get over the fact that my four-year-old boy is gone and I have nothing left. But this nagging voice in my head that says you need to do something. Mm -hmm. Sadly, within South Africa, there's not much you can do. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. And I, I feel like I, I'm looking at the communities in the U.S. There seems to be, and this is why we're very interested in talking to policymakers as well as some of the, the doctors for pediatric cancer to have a better understanding of it as well. Because we at Childhood Cancer Hall of Champions, we really struggling, I have to admit with to you, that we're struggling to understand overall why there are so... There's so little money. There are very limited resources committed to this. And exactly. exactly it. and, and I don't want to make one cancer more or less important than the other because ultimately cancer is devastating no matter where it is. But I, this is a personal thing. I do not understand why breast cancer has such an amazing following and, and such, such a, an amazing amount of information I can live without my breasts. I cannot live without my child. There's a difference between using a body part that you can, with the, with the amount of technology it is today, you can get another one. I can't regrow my child. I cannot re-get, I cannot build another child exactly like he was. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the, you know, there's absolutely no funding in South Africa at all for short pediatric uh, cancer. Nothing. Zip, zero. So a lot of the, the doctors that are, are working on sort of any sort of, um, uh, movement on pediatric cancer itself of funding it themselves. There's no private investors. There's no funding for cancer research at all. And when it came to reaching out to people for information, when I was first diagnosed, I had to reach out to people in the US because nobody in this country knew what I was talking about. Um, when it came to Owen's palliative care, his palliative care doctor had no idea what the RPG was. Uh, and that's the sad thing. A lot of these doctors do not even know what it is. They, they sort of have to research it. And when they do, they kind of come back to us and say, well, oh my God, I'm so sorry. If our medical professionals are unaware of what this kind of cancer is, that is taking children left, right and center, then it, it just goes to show how bad this really is and, and where our medical medical guys are actually at. Was it, a, you know, one thing I do remember, and I say this, remembering how devastated I felt and how quickly money ran out for my dad every day, $60,000 RMB, which is $10,000 on the table. It says, if you don't pay for this, we'll stop the medication by 3 PM. And I, I never forget that. I don't think, I don't know how I ever can escape from it. That, that feeling um, of hopelessness. And exactly, exactly that. And we were actually, I was actually discussing with one of the other moms, I think two days ago, whose little one actually also passed away. Um, in South Africa, we don't get given a medical scheme. We we have to pay exorbitant amounts. And, and for a, um, a, a normal, let's sort of mid-level family, 
affording a medical aid for four people is just unheard of. It's unreachable. Um, and then lockdown as well, specifically with a lot of people being retrenched, it, it's just unheard of. So we landed up at what is called a government hospital, which is a government subsidized hospital. So you go in, you wait for eight hours on end to be seen. And then it's literally, you walk in, they give you another day for another appointment, uh, which is why it took us 11 separate visits, which is a 40 minutes travel or 40 minute commute from where we stay to that particular hospital and back. Owen's four years old. And because he may have to go under anesthetic that day, maybe if we're lucky, he doesn't eat or he's not allowed to eat. So starving a four-year-old child for eight hours on end without any results is what was happening. And even at the, the, the private hospitals, the doctors and the staff are so overwhelmed that there's just no, no way forward with this. So ultimately, if, if you or your child is diagnosed with a cancer in this country, and unless you have the best medical aid that there is, which costs you at least 7,000 rand a month, which is an income, an entire income in a normal household per month, you're not going to get any aid. Nobody's going to help you. We did, however, <coughs> excuse me, had one um, doctor that was prepared to waive his fees or his costs and help Owen on a pro bono basis, but he needed a radiology department and we needed an anesthetist to come on board. Despite doing everything we could, the radiologist's um, department told us they will charge us 100,000 rand per day, which is one session per day, and then the anesthetist said 300,000 rand per day. We as a mid-level family, are we ever going to be able to afford that? We tried fundraising. Uh, we, we tried our first target of fundraising to be 50,000 rand. We couldn't even get that 50,000 rand in. <laughs> that, it, it's just so soul-destroying. I have no words. Uh, it, makes, it makes a person feel like a complete failure because you should be able to do this, but without the backing of financial uh, companies or, or medical aid systems or uh, big corporations, which we reached out to on numerous occasions, mm-hmm. you have nothing. I think I sent out within excess of about 78,000 emails and I got two replies, which ultimately said we can't help you. But out of 78,000 emails, two responses of no, that is what we are dealing with. And that is what my poor boy had to endure, which I don't think is fair at all. No, give that to me. Don't give it to him. He didn't deserve that. My heart goes out to you when I hear you say, you know, you feel like a failure because that's how that's how I felt as a as a daughter for several years. I literally felt like I let my dad die. Like I somehow almost like I caused it. I let people do this to him. You know, that was really a hard way to live for a long time. And and I, it took me a long time to process, even though I knew it wasn't logical that I knew I wasn't able to fix him or um, in a position to really, really save him. But I, again, it, this happened so recently. So I'm, I'm looking at little Seth standing next to you. I mean, I, I it just makes me, just makes me so happy just to see him, to be honest. And uh, yeah. He just wanted to show you Owen's radiation mask. Oh, okay. Yes, please. Well, what is that? This is basically what they would put over Owen's face and pin him to the table to make sure he does not move during radiation. Um, If you have a look at the the markings on the side of the mask is where the radiation was aimed at. 
And because of the amount of time it took and them wasting our time, we had to get a second one molded, which is obviously a bit bigger. So between the mold of the first and the second, that is how much time they wasted to try and get Owen through radiation or actually get their backsides into gear and give Owen radiation. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, he hated it. He hated every single, single session. And for the five sessions that we got, he was just battling so much. He, he was in a lot of pain. Um, the cortisone that they gave us was all they gave us. They only gave us the cortisone, which was to sort of minimize the swelling, but it didn't take care of his discomfort or his pain. Um, it was right actually the very first day that we, we started the morphine was the day that he left us. And that was the amount of time it took for them to get us onto the morphine. I mean, this is the last time 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 I mean, this is the the beginning of the year? I know this part probably isn't very easy to talk about either. Um, Seth, uh, you know, I sometimes like to think he's a very easy child. Um, the last two mornings he's woken up, and I think it's just hit him over the past two days that, that this is what the situation is. Um, he was acting out a bit, uh, you know, with you know, trying to deal with his stuff because all kids, uh, he's, he's kind of not used to his little brother not being able to get up and run with him. Um, and that always, would, they would play continuously. Sorry, he's upset. Yeah, yeah, no problem at all. So he's dead and I'm trying to be really strong for him. Um, he misses his brother. And over the last two days, he's just kind of sunk in what's happened. But he, you know, he's, I suppose, doing the best that he possibly could. He's trying to be as brave as he can. Yeah, yeah. Trying to understand, but I don't think it's not fair for a six year old to try and understand that this is what's happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm really proud of you both. I'm so proud of you, Seth. I know you, you went through a lot. Um, so. By the way, is that a Superman shirt, or is that a is that Mickey? No, Mickey? no that's Mickey Mouse. Uh, Mommy, um, why call me Mickey Mouse? <laughs> yeah, what is a Mickey Mouse on tour? Is Mickey <laughs> Mouse on tour in, in South Africa? Oh no, definitely not. Definitely not. Mommy, could no, you? We would have been very much. Mommy, Not right now. No, 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 definitely not right now. Mm. Um, it's funny that you mention it. Um between Seth and Owen, they had this thing, they have this thing, it's superheroes all the way, it's, it's completely the Avengers. And um, Owen's favorite superhero was Superman. So, and he's a Splash. So uh, his yeah. party was, was themed for the Avengers. And when we, we put Owen into his coffin, we made sure he was wearing his Superman outfit. And, I remember walking into the Undertaker's office um, a while ago and I walked past the room and in this room, it was a dark room, in the room was a sort of a small white coffin standing up against the wall and it freaked me out. I couldn't, I felt like I was going to 
the tree hyperventilating and have a panic attack. And lo and behold, Owen's coffin was a little white coffin. So we reached out to a couple of friends of ours and we actually covered Owen's coffin in superhero stickers. Um, we wrapped it literally in superhero marvel. And I think if it wasn't for that, I would not have been able to actually sit there and do it. Um, we collected his ashes on Saturday. So he's home with us again. Not in the way that we want, but at least he's home in that sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, superheroes are, he was our little superhero for him to go through all of the stuff that he did. And every day to have a smile on his face and just not share the pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Could you tell me a bit more about Owen? Um that what did he what did he like to play? I love learning Superman. What did he like to eat? Um what, what was loved, his favorite animal? Um Owen loved anything and everything. He was no, any sort of excitement. He loved to run and jump and ride bike and uh, ride his bike. And he was actually to a point where we started to think that in between all of this that he could read at the age of four because uh, they would, Seth would open up a, a world atlas just to have a look at the countries and Owen would start reading the countries. And I mean, he's four. He's never been to school. Um, he, he didn't have the chance to even go uh, preschool because of the fact that we were hit, COVID hits us. So he... There were certain things that he could never could never have been able to hear us talk about, but he he read them. Um, he naughty, mm-hmm. cute as hell, but naughty. <laughs> um, he would always be playing with his brother, and he he I don't know. She'd say that Owen actually had a, a favorite animal. What was Owen's favorite animal? What would you say? Um, I would say cheetah. That's yours. Owen had a thing for octopus, like an octopus or sharks. He loved sharks, megalodons and sharks. So, yeah, he loved sharks. Yeah, sharks, yes. And luckily, before he left us, um, we managed to take him to what the equivalent is of your marine world. We took him to Ushaka, which is ours. And he managed to see the sharks. And there was there was a pretty good day for him as well. And giraffe. Yeah, yeah so, so, just going to introduce you. This is Owen's dad. This is Carl. Hi. Carl, nice to meet you. Nice Hi, to meet you. Your name is? My name is Faye. So I'm the host for the Childhood Cancer Hall of Champions podcast. I have my own podcast as well. And I'm based in Boston, in Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. Perfect. You're Thank doing great. Thank you so much for sharing the story. It's- no, like I said, it's, you know... When 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 I found out when actually the doctors told me, um, I walked out the hospital and um, a psychologist actually approached me, um, a young black woman, um, and she first asked me if she could talk to me because I was very upset. I mean, I was very angry, mm-hmm. very everything. So she approached me in a, a very very respectable manner, like as in, she um, asked me first if she could come talk to me, so I said, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And that lady, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the first couple of words she said to me, 
was all she had to say. And um, she's a psychologist. And, and um, no book is going to tell you how to feel about the story. You know, nothing on paper. No one's going to teach you how to cope with this situation. I mean, it's impossible. Bottom line, no one can do it. And this woman, her first words were to me is, she doesn't know what to say to me. And you know what? I just walked up to her, I hugged her, and I said to her, thank you for being honest. Because she was. Because I, I don't even know what to say. But yeah, we're just keeping memory strong. Okay, I'll go. It's really nice to meet you. Thank you, Carl. Sorry, we, it's, it's still very raw, and we are all still trying to be very strong um, and do what we need to do. Yeah. Um, but it's, thank you, it's, Bro. We'll talk about those toys in a second. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Listen to me. She said, we'll talk about it in a second. Can you please go to your dad because you're annoying me now? Okay. So, yeah, it's. I, I don't know what else to say. I, I I think as a family, we've tried everything that we could possibly could within our means, without our means. I mean, the most amazing thing to me is honestly that, you know, they can transplant so many different organs, but they cannot take the organ that is infected by this disease and they cannot transplant that or they cannot, why, why can't they do that? That's, I understand that there's probably sort of a lot of things that you need to be aware of, but I just don't understand why nothing is being done with regards to this. I mean, cancer as a whole, I don't understand why certain cancers get more attention than others. Cancer as a whole should get a lot more funding, a lot more sort of backing from everybody in the world. It's not just a, it's not, you know, cancer doesn't have borders. I don't think it should. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's treatments, regime should be done. I understand. I felt my dad has esophageal cancer. It was stage three. And to be honest, there was the surgery was very unsuccessful. Um, they couldn't do anything in the middle of the surgery. So he had that to recover from as well. But, you know, in retrospect, we realized there are so many treatments that were not very effective other than completely bankrupt my mom and I, and I'm the only child. So you know, it took us a long time to recover from it. But as you can imagine, we were ready to do everything. We're ready to be homeless, whatever it takes, if you could just live another day. Exactly, exactly. It's yeah. exactly what we were, we were on the, we were literally putting the house on a mark. We were going to go live on the streets, but meant that he could, you know, not that that's a life that he would, we could offer him, especially with his condition, but mm -hmm. everything. We let go of so many things and it's just, you know what? I don't, to, to me, there's a difference between letting go of worldly goods and having, you cannot replace a person, you can replace a house, you can replace a car. Um, but we, you know, it's just, it's completely, I, I don't even know what word to use. Devastating is not, it doesn't hit home quite the way that, that we feel. Every morning waking up knowing he's not there, it's difficult. Every night going to bed where he would be sleeping next to us is now gone. It's, there's a massive void and it's never going to be filled. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely what what I'm hearing, what I'm feeling as well. Um, so for, so Candace, for other 
for parents who are fighting and living in this right now, like what are some of the things that maybe you want to say to them, friends, everyone impacted by this? You know, there is the being a parent that has had to live through and see this through to say to you, to say to parents that they need to enjoy every moment is what they've heard a hundred times. Don't give up. For all you know, your child could be the miracle baby that turns the tables. This is not easy, but fight with everything that you've got and do whatever you can because every second does count. And, you know, just know that you are doing your best and that your child knows that you're doing your best. And unfortunately, that is what it is. And nothing I say is going to change it. So just keep pushing as much as you can. I'm in South Africa, but if you need money, you tell contact me. I'll help you around here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. When it comes to money, I find it really unfair too, because um, as if if you are the ultra wealthy people, then you can have access to or make it possible. And even for them, as we probably know, the result may not really change all that much for a certain type of cancer. Um, but I just I, I just remember spiritually, psychologically, it was I remember being a torture and and I'm really sorry you're going through all of this that you know in an ideal world in an ideal world the taxes that we get taxed every single month um for whatever it is in an ideal world some of those some of that money should go towards cancer research that is my honest my honest belief um if i can go to the the governments and and the presidential people who are driving and living these luscious lives if they can stop their massive tax rebates and put some of it towards cancer research and funding the research, it would work a lot better. And I, I hope cure would be fine possible. There would just be so much more for these guys to to be able to do. And you know, trying to get these people to do something like that is mm-hmm. no one voice is not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So you need you need a massive forum. You need, you need people to start standing up. And you know, there needs to be a movement. Mm-hmm. Move one million. There needs to be a movement with regards to this. And people need to stop shutting their mouths and they need to stop sitting down and just accepting it because it isn't acceptable and no family should ever have to lose a loved one for cancer. No, it's just the worst thing ever. It's just un- mm-hmm. unacceptable, unconscionable. That's, I don't know what else to say. Mm-hmm. So, so Candace, now that this is so new to you and, and I know that the pain will stay with you for, a lot longer. Um, what are some of the things that um, that people can do for you, family, friends, people who are listening to this? Um, what are some of the things that maybe to educate other people on? What is you know? Oh, by the way, is he using a knife next to you? I, I just want to make sure. Oh, <laughs> I just I just want to make sure. He's he's an Nazi. He knows how to do that. Oh, he's okay. just putting a bread <laughs> Okay. Wow. He seemed very proficient at it, and I wasn't yeah. so sure. Yeah. He's, he's very self-sufficient. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. Um, yeah. You know what? Owen's, Owen's, Owen had a, I set up a Facebook page for Owen in the beginning mm-hmm. while we were fundraising, but also to make people more aware of, of what it is because there's so 
So his particular diagnosis is uh, so rare, so to speak. Um, you know, I'm not going to, I thought about it, I'm not going to close that Facebook page down. I've turned it from his fundraising page into a memorial page. And every single time there is uh, new information available, if somebody's come a step closer to any sort of cure or, or they've found all these new testing phases opened, it gets posted there. I post there daily with information, signs to look out for, who to contact, uh, palliative care facilities, um, whether it be here or in the U.S. Because, I mean, realistically, the people in the U.S. get back to me faster than the people in my own countries. So, um, and my details are there if, if they need help with anything. If I can, from what I've learned from the start of this diagnosis now, if there's any way that from what I've learned and what I've been through that can possibly help guide somebody else to a better solution for themselves or their family members, um, we're well prepared to do it. So, um, you know, if from, from our perspective, there's not much hope in South Africa with regards to getting anybody to stand and ready towards a result or, or more funding or anything in that regard. But we are still battling as a family um, to try and recover, recuperate. And, you know, we are always willing to, to accept whatever help is necessary or available to us. Um, but at the same token, we are prepared to give what we can uh, to those that need. So anything and anything, anything, sorry, anything and everything we can do and we are prepared to, no, thank you, boy, accept and make available, um, whether it be records or anything. Uh, it's just a two-way street. But I'm not going to lie, we are in, um, we're in a bit of a, we are in a financial situation that we, we can't really get out of right now. It's just not possible. So we are battling um, from all aspects. And we, we try to do what we can daily. But I mean, if, if anybody's interested, they can have a look at Owen's Facebook page. They can see where we're at. I mean, we have literally thrown our lives open um, for the whole world to see. And we've got nothing to hide with regards to any, any of our, our situations or what we went through or what Owen went through. But at the same time, make it um, a source of information for everybody else so they know what to expect or can maybe try a different route when it comes to treatment or finances or anything of that sort. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you for that, Candace. One, one thing I also want to ask is uh, in terms of language and, and messages from other people, I have friends who have lost their children between who are um, younger in age all the way to to about their early 20s. And one thing I learned running this interview is that people really enjoy talking about their children as opposed to, you know, we are tiptoeing around not mentioning their children. And I kind of want to hear your perspective on that. When is it okay or appropriate for people to bring up Owen asking you to talk about him, his stories? Um, you know what? It's always okay. Um, I am his voice at this point. I am the I, I'm his advocate, and I, I'm ask me, and I'm going to tell you. Um, uh, and I have the, the kind of personality where I don't shut up. Um, so if yes, it hurts. It hurts like hell. But at the end of the day, if there's something that you need to know, or if, or if somebody's got a question, ask me. If you you know, if you don't ask, you won't know. So um, I may 
after the question, go cry in the corner. But if I don't answer that question, then I will feel like I'm doing owning injustice because I haven't, I haven't helped him or helped his message come across to whoever needed it at that time. So uh, there's every single day on that page, on Owen's Facebook page, I'm answering questions or I'm posting a comment or I'm letting people know what's going on or how I feel. And when I say I've opened my, my life, my family's life, I've like an open book on his page. Everything is available there. They're all hard truth. And that is what it is. And I just think that needs to be made available. So um, people can approach me now. Yes, it, it's sensitive, but I'm in, still in the, the, the angry part of, part of all of this. And I'm still dealing with a lot of anger. So um, mm-hmm. I, I've got more of the fight in me right now than, than sort of the sadness. And while that fight is available, make use of it because, yeah. Um, I'm open to, to it at any point. They, they bring it, basically. I don't know if you bring it. Bring I'm it. Open. Yeah, bring the I'm question. That's it. Yeah. Thank you, Candice. Can we, I, I mean, you gave us so much information. We'll include a link to Owen's Facebook page in our show notes, what we call show notes, uh, shared next kind of alongside with this episode. So people have information about Owen, links, you know, to learn more about you. And sure. Um, I, I'm really happy with this episode. You, you've given me so much. And I wonder if Seth want to take this opportunity to talk about the animal, the, not the animals, the characters he brought over and, and say anything, Seth, or is he busy eating yeah. lunch or yeah, dinner? It's, it's, actually, yeah, it's dinner time now. Would you like to speak about Owen's favorite toys, Owen's favorite animal? And which, which I appreciate animal? you, Seth. I appreciate, I know oh, you're yeah. eating right now. Whatever, whatever you feel you want to say about Owen, what you want the world to know about Owen, you can say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can Owen's say. Owen's favorite food was tomato sauce with bread. What kind oh, of bread? Ketchup. Yeah, ketchup. Ketchup with bread. He loved that. Bread, wow. How, how does he put the, how does he do it? Like, he put the ketchup on the bread? No. No, no. you're not allowed to. You have to put the ketchup next to the bread. It was a bit fussy. Yeah. And you always have to put the horse next to the bread yeah. and you make hot dogs. They're talking about the sausage. The, uh, the, yeah. the sausage. Oh, wow. Yeah. Put that next to the bread, not on the bread. What was Owen's favorite toy? Dun, dun, dun. Wow. Look at that. Well, why, why, why um, did he like him so much? Why do you think he likes Superman so much? Because Superman was strong, he had powers and fly. Because he was strong and he had powers and he could fly. He could fly. Wow. You brought something else over. I saw a smaller toy somewhere. Oh, oh, it's, oh, oh. it's probably oh, on the floor yeah. somewhere. Oh, oh, and what about this guy? See? I'm sorry? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a real one as you, he was <laughs> with it. Yeah, that was his third no, favorite animal. And he also loves frog. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, one of my good friends also loves frog. That's a purple frog. I like frogs. Wow. Did he have a favorite book or story? So um, another thing is Owen, Owen picked up a, on a National Geographic. National? There's a... a uh, snakes, um, in the city. snakes in the city. Uh, it's the, this couple that's from Britain. They go around in one of the 
um, areas in South Africa, uh, Durban, and they catch all these exotic snakes and they re-release them. And between Seth and Owen, when this came on, they would go ballistic. So when we took Owen on his first and last holiday, um, we, we contacted these guys because we went to Durban and we figured maybe if we're lucky, we'd, we'd get in touch with them. And we did. We managed to get in touch with them and they came through and they met Owen and said personally, and they, they gave them um, T-shirts and, and autographed sort of pictures and you know, signed stuff for Seth and Omen, which we've now obviously had framed. Wow. It, it was the, the sort of epitome of Owen's entire holiday. He couldn't stop talking about it. And then actually, fact, the day that we got home um, from our vacation, he, the first thing he said to me was, Mommy, go on to YouTube. We need to watch snake pictures. So we were lucky enough to be able to fulfill some of the the wishes that he had because he had a wish list and he made you very aware of that he had a wish list and there were certain right. things he wanted. Um, yes, um, um, and, um What else was on his yeah. wish list? We managed to get him, he, he wanted to go on a boat, which we did. We managed to get emergency services as well as the um, uh, nautical um, sea rescue guys that came out and they, they actually planned an entire day and they took him out in the water. Um, then when we went to Durban, we managed to get him out in the water on the harbour or into the ocean. Um, so he did that. And then we, he hadn't seen a, a fully grown lion. So we took him to a lion park and he, he managed to see the lions. Um, but at that point, he was actually really getting really, really bad. So he saw the lions and straight past the lions, he was sleeping. Um, but he wanted to do that and he wanted to fly in a plane. So friends of ours that were sent from above really um, arranged for him to go up in a private plane um, and the guy sort of did a couple of tricks and stuff and he loved that as well. Oh my and, goodness, seriously? There's Owen. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I saw him for a brief second. Oh, oh my God. That was the last oh. photograph or that was the day, the last day that we were able to take photographs of him when he was still conscious. The very next day he was just sort of out, um, sleeping a lot. Mm -hmm. <sighs> and then that uh, following Monday was when he left us. This photograph was taken the day after, two days after his diagnosis. Um, the oh. difference in him. Wow. Yeah. So it, it was such a complete change and difference in his look and his size and everything. And you know what? He took it in his stride. And the thing is, like, it's when, as, as soon as um, the cortisone really started changing, sort of what he looked like, he, instead of complaining about the fact that his t shirts no longer fit him, he would just sort of say that his teddy tubby was hanging out and he'd find it a joke in it. And if I think about how strong he was and how much of everything that was going wrong with him, he took in his stride. He is our Superman. He was just such a, a team player and he just handled it so much better than I think most adults would have handled it. Absolutely. Uh, no. no. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. This is um, the handprint. Owen's handprint tattooed is on us. Is it a tattooed on Yeah. On we your both shirt. got his handprint tattooed on us, okay. ourselves. It's just as a, and then Seth got a little That is so special. That's so cool. Can you see it now? Yeah, I can see him. Wow. <coughs> How old was Owen that picture? Um, that was this year, taken this year. Wow. He looked like 
he's got such a baby face. I thought. Yes, uh, yeah, but it was it just sounds like he had the most beautiful, squishable cheeks, but it was all because of the poor design. Yeah, um, so. Yeah. Am I wow. Yes, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, how are you Owen's favorite animal was. A rattlesnake. A rattlesnake. Yeah, he liked giraffes and he liked sharks and he liked snakes. So between the three of those, uh, I said, don't do that too much. Wait, was he afraid of it? I'm I'm afraid of rattlesnake. Wow. No, no, he had no fear. Um, whereas Seth, in the beginning, when when Owen started to walk and talk and sort of become growing his own personality, where Seth would run the opposite direction, Owen would run towards the danger. So they were completely opposites. So, I think um, Owen actually gave Seth a lot of confidence. He was just always paranoid. He, he's a complete warrior. So um, with Owen and his strengths, he actually boosted Seth's mm-hmm. self-esteem, his confidence with a lot of things in life as well, which is another one of the blessings that Owen left us with. Wow. Was... I'm a woman! <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're, you're both very brave. It, it takes a lot. Yeah. You learn so much about yourself, yeah, during the process. But I didn't want to learn about most of it. I wish I never had to discover, but that's it. You, you know, it's such a horrible road to walk. You, you wish don't wish it upon your worst enemy. It's just yeah. And oh yeah, okay, here we go. Here we go. The famous, the famous Baba. Wait. So the photograph that Seth showed you on my as my screensaver mm-hmm. is at his party and this guy was the guy that he was hanging with. This guy went everywhere with him. Um, uh, this is Teddy. Oh. Is now nice. I called him Owen because Owen's gone. Oh, wow. And that is... We need to dinner, please. Finish up your dinner and then you need to go back. Thinking I'll press the No. Cool. <laughs> Thinking I'll go there and talk so, to you. So she's in America, my baby. Oh. What's that yeah. lady I've been talking to? No, that's a psychiatrist. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah. So he starts therapy on Wednesday um, to try and get him to work through everything. Um, for the family? Is for the family or for Seth? No, for Seth. Seth has got a separate uh, therapy session because uh, he'll be seeing a, a child psychiatrist or psychologist. Wow. Um, it's just better for us. I think, you know what, for him individually right now, because he's dealing with things a lot differently, it's the way that um, Owen's dad and myself are. And, um, yeah, it's important. I think that he needed to go first. So he starts on Wednesday, this Wednesday coming. Um, and then I will be attending a uh, debriefing and a loss of or a loss uh, support group on Saturday mm-hmm. um, with a couple of my friends. I, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to get through this. And uh, I've always been the kind of person that's, Hard asked and doesn't really deal with the emotions, but this one, uh, suffice to say, hits home hard. And, and it's not talking about it and not trying to get through it and just pretending it doesn't exist and everything is okay. It's, it's kind of what's happening. So I, it's gonna. It, I, we need to do something about it. And they've they've taken that in their stride to arrange it. Yeah, I'm so glad you could. You have a couple of friends you can trust, and that is. Yeah really important and to be able to talk about it to be able to acknowledge the pain is so it's so important um wow um therapy is so helpful and i'm so thrilled that you can 
you know, have this, have this resource available and also have Seth participate because it took me uh, a while. I remember my, I'm you know, originally from China. It was something that I advocated for so long, but my parents weren't very accepting of it, including my dad who was sick at the time. And gosh, by the time I came back, um, to go through sessions. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Is that a little toy you wanted to talk about? Is it? Yeah. Oh, please, please tell me more. We, we need to kind of nip this in the bud because he won't stop. He's, he's one of those. Oh, right. Owen's three favorites. Again, this is the last of them. Oh, there's another two more. Absolutely. Oh, is that, is that Rhino? Rhino. 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 Porcupine's down there. And then she dropped the porcupine. Okay, but five, listen, seriously now, that is it. You need to do serious stuff here now. Okay, very adorable. I like this too. Yes. And the smiley face. We need yeah. that. Yes, we do. We need the smiley face. Um, but I'm so glad therapy is available because it, it, it helped me tremendously. There's part of I didn't even tell my mom that I was going through therapy um, after my dad passed, but it was the best decision. It's been incredibly difficult for you. I, I mean, as a child, uh, to go through that, not being able to tell your mom that this is, that's now take my hats off to you, that you are still doing what you're doing today after everything that happened to you it's it's not right it, it should never happen to anyone i yeah candace you're so you're so sweet i i remember everything so vividly and and to be honest oh. I, I could tell my my mom really struggled with yeah i like the frog too um <laughs> I, you know she really to be honest she's my mom is a very kind sweet person always so community driven but I admit that she finds cancer very, very challenging to talk about. She doesn't. And she will um, walk away. She will apologize and walk away from the conversation. Whereas I'm, you know, I feel like maybe I'm a little bit like Owen. I I, I want to run right at it. I, that's exactly. Know, I know that's exactly it. how you feel. And that's exactly what I want to do. And um, I don't have the resources in this country. So when you got, when I got the email saying that you guys wanted to do sort of a podcast, I was like, hell yes, because at least somebody's going to listen. So when it comes to, to that kind of thing, I will run it at full head, head on. Uh, you know what? Like, I'll have no theory at this point. Um, I need to talk about it. People need to know about it. Whether it be from the RPG to any other sort of cancer out there, um, people need to stop shying away from it. They need to stop pretending it doesn't exist. And they need to actually stand up and do something because it's just, that's a bullshit. Excuse my language, yeah. but it is bullshit. Exactly. As if... You know, I remember how in that moment you, you decide, you realize who are your real friends. I realized because I was older at the time, I, I was 24. So I had no friends who had sick parents at the time and they were very supportive. But then because it went on for two years, I remember my mom and I lost a lot of friends. A lot of people didn't want to come visit us. They didn't want to talk about it. Um, it was very, it was very difficult, particularly on her uh, as someone nearing, you know, retirement age and or had a life that was never perfect. But, you know, you belong to a social circle where there was always a couple and all of a sudden my mom was just by herself. So I definitely learned a lot. And I, I've really devoted the past 10 years, even before the start of Childhood Cancer um, Hall of Champions, I started my podcast interview, Dr. BJ Miller behind me, who's a palliative care doctor. We've developed a very deepened relationship. I we have therapy. We working at CCHC have therapy sessions with him once a month because, you know, frankly, this has been a more difficult conversation because it's so fresh. Everything oh. is so new. Um, 
I realized that we are, I admit, even having gone through this with my dad, for the first time in my life, talking to parents, I don't know how to categorize my emotions. I don't know where I find it very disoriented in terms of, um, you know, how the language and the feeling and, um, you know, last night as I was managing the Facebook page, I saw another little girl who passed away and completely unexpected, you know, in her mom's arms. I just, I just, I couldn't go to sleep and I had to meditate and kind of just find my center again. And this is very, this is very, very real. It's hitting so many families. We can't pretend that somehow you're not living in a, somehow you're lucky, right? And you can therefore have the right to avoid the subject. No, like what can we do to help people? Um, same thing with disabilities, another area we're exploring as well, because it, it just, as you know, um, I watched my dad going from one of the strongest men I know to someone who just can walk, can take, can walk from the bed to the, to the hospital, um, you know, bathroom that's five feet away. So it's so debilitating. I, I understand it's so debilitating and it's, it's horrible and it's, it's gut-wrenching how, how severe this is and how much it actually, how much damage it does. I mean, people, you think of yourself as, as being at the top of the food chain and that you are strong and you're invincible and you're clever and you're, you're able to handle things. And then this hits you and it just completely smashes and just devastates an entire family and breaks you down to such a point where you realize how fragile human life is mm-hmm. um, and how quickly it can be taken. And I mean, Owen was diagnosed in May this year and he's gone now. And they, they, they say that the, 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 the medium life expectancy is nine months and I wasn't even given nine months. And it, it pisses me off because I tried everything I could. I mean, I fought my flipping arsehole and it's just like uh, a kick and say, oh, sorry, you know, time's up. Mm-hmm. He should never have had that fate. Your dad should never have had that fate. They should have been by now, with the amount of time and, you know, something should have been done sooner. And the fact is that the, where the people are still denying it and, and refusing to admit and acknowledge the, the seriousness of this illness is just wasting time, basically, mm-hmm. and, and resources at this point to, to get closer to a cure. Yeah, I, I realized how important the timeline was. At the, at the beginning of the year, the exact time um, Owen was diagnosed, you know, my my mom was uh, diagnosed with a turnout to be not life-threatening. But the whole time I remember, I remember crying on my own. I remember not being able to show her. It just felt so alone. And, um, and you know, the time, I just remember the time it took. And I'm in the U.S. How many CT scan and leading up to the surgery, how she was in the end prioritized. But just I couldn't believe how long it took and how many hours a day. And I, you know, I also felt like I need to work really hard. I don't know what the final bill is going to look like. And yet I can't work because I'm always at the hospital with her. And it was so contradicting. Um, And so I am so, so glad, Candace, that you decided to do this. And when I say courage, I, I don't, I don't mean in a very commercial way, but I really, I know that you need to be so brave to to be able to talk about this and and I know you are also so willing to on top of that um but I'm really glad you you did this because I know you had every right to last minute to say 
I'm not doing this. I don't have to do this. I don't owe this to anybody else. Uh, it's my story, my boy story, but um, please know how powerful it is that thank you for your decision to be here. I appreciate it. Thank you for, for the invitation to be and thank you for allowing me to use my voice to be Owen's advocate. That's all I've got. Absolutely. And it's all I do. Absolutely. And, and um, I'm so glad we could, we could be one of the very few childhood cancer podcasts. I was very shocked by how few of these podcasts are, are out there. Um, please, if there are any recommendations, feedback, um, please let us know whether it will be referrals, doctors, and um, that's what, who we're going after. We want to talk about the policymaker to the policymakers, have a better understanding of the situation um, because there's not enough coverage um, an awareness around it. So, um, we're, we're open. We really like to continue the conversation and relationship. That's that. I'm happy to do that. I'm also happy to send through, um, all correspondence as well as medical records with regards to Owen from date of diagnosis to obviously the finalization. Um, because it, like I said, if it can help somebody somewhere else somehow, then I've got to do it because I know that's what Owen would have wanted. Wow. Incredible. It, Getting to know Owen through you, I think that's exactly what, you know, we're making him really proud. I am not a super religious person. I am spiritual. We've spoken with a lot other very religious folks on the show, but I too um, believe in, I absolutely believe in an afterlife. I believe that, you know, there's a transition between where we are to where they are and we'll all essentially meet. I'll get to meet Owen, when it's my turn, and I will be so thrilled to meet these children. Um, well, what an honor to finally meet them. Yeah, I, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm missing my lot. I'm missing my really. I'm doing this because I need to do what I know is right in my heart so that one day I do get to see them again. Absolutely. And I'm so, so proud of you for what you're doing. And Seth is going to make you, has been, already make you so proud and, you know, Carl, Carl is just a, such a gentleman to be able to meet him even briefly. And um, please stay strong and be kind to yourself. Cut yourself some slack. And um, and again, anything we can do to support you. But please just, you know, I, I know this, like, you know, I, oh man, to, to, to live a good life. That's what he wants for everyone. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Candace, um, I will finish.